You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to this week on NFL No Huddle as we take you through the week that was on our show. In this episode, Cordell and I will speak with Brandon Carr of the Baltimore Ravens and Vance McDonald of the Pittsburgh Steelers along with a pair of notable NFL on TuneIn weekly contributors. But let's get the show started with New England Patriots running back James White. James, congratulations on the latest victory yesterday against the Dolphins. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? We are doing well, and we appreciate you taking the time. And I know Coach Belichick doesn't want you or anybody else talking about last year, but it's the holiday season. So maybe one thought about being such an instrumental part in the Super Bowl comeback victory. How did your team keep its composure when you were down 28-3? to I mean, just stuck together as a team. Um, just kept fighting. Um, just continued to believe in the game plan, even though we were down by a lot of points. And I think that just speaks volumes about the type of players that we have. Guys never quit. Speaking of players that you have, you guys just uh, end up grabbing Eric Lee coming from Buffalo. He comes in in the last game, got a few snaps, got four tackles and a sack. What does that say to the coaching staff and how he gets players prepared to go out and play, regardless of what position they play in at any time in the game? Uh, our coaches do a great job preparing us each and every week uh, from all different types of situations. Uh, if a guy comes in at some point during the week, they'll make sure he gets enough reps or gets in the film room and studies up enough. So if somebody happens to go down or if he needs to go in the game, he's, he's ready to go, and he was. James, we've had Patriot icons like Willie McGinnis on this program, and they always talk about the Patriot way. I know it's a vague concept, and you're focused on what's happening on the field, but if I say the Patriot way, what does that mean to you? Uh, Just guys just do their job, um, put the team first, and work hard no matter what the circumstances are. And I think we have a bunch of guys that do that. Um, I think whenever a new person comes onto our team, it doesn't take long for them to you know, get get with the program and uh, just really follow the trends that the guys have, you know, set from a long time ago. Tell us about Brandon Cooks. I mean, he comes from out of New Orleans and he does a really good job there, uh, whether special teams or at the receiver position. But he comes in and seems as if he's the go-to guy for you guys' offense when it comes to throwing the football down the field, not just in option routes, the little five-yard, ten-yard outs. I mean, it's everything. Down the seams, down the shoot versus cover two on the outskirts. Give us a take on how good and how tremendous he's been playing so far for Tom Brady when it comes to catching. Oh, I mean, Brandon, he's a tremendous player and a great person as well. Um, you can tell from first time meeting him, going on the practice field, see how hard he works. He's one of the first guys out there, one of the last guys to get off the field. And he puts the work in each and every week in his shows. And um, he's been doing a great job for us, uh, making big plays each and every week. So def- definitely happy to have him on our team. Patriots running back James White is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. James, what's it like to be part of such a talented core of running backs? Is this a close group in your meeting room? I'm sure it wasn't easy to see LeGarrette Blunt move on to Philadelphia, but the team is still running the ball well. Yeah, well, we have a great group of guys. Uh, we're all we're all cool with each other. Um, I mean, we all know that we're not going to get every snap and, or each week it could be a different guy you know, getting the most touches or whatever it is, so then guys accept the role, and uh, when they get the opportunity, they just try and make the most of it. 
James, some some has a you know they they like to poke and pry at you guys and get you guys to say some things that's off the record just a little bit, and obviously we know it. It's the way it is because of Coach Bill Belichick. Tell us how serious or how much fun does he ever have? Does he ever smile? You know, does he ever crack a joke in the meet room to the point where you guys can? I don't want to say relaxed because I'm sure you guys are, but to the point where you know you can you can somewhat be at ease because from afar it looked like it is straight to the core of what it is, what it's not, and you, you want to be on the side of what it is as opposed to what it's not, of course. Oh, I mean, he, he cracks jokes. Uh, I know he, he looks serious most of the time. He he definitely knows how to have fun, too. But, I mean, when it's, it's time to go and time to get prepared and ready for a football game, it's, it's all seriousness. And like, our, our team knows that. And um, like I said, guys know how to have fun as well. Uh, it's not complete 100% all serious and no smiling at all times. Uh, we, we have fun, but when it's time to lock in, we do it. Well, that's connected to what happened yesterday. So Rob Gronkowski had the tremendous celebration with Brandon Cooks. But, of course, when Gronk got to the podium to address the media, he said, you guys aren't allowed to talk about celebration. So is that a topic that's officially off limits, no celebration conversation, even though it's okay and you're not going to be penalized anymore by the league? Yep, just off limits for talking about it. That's pretty, pretty much what it is. Because <laughs> Gronk wanted to talk yesterday, James. Did you see that video? He was trying yeah. to try him, but he kept the secret. Yeah, he, he did a good job up there. He stayed composed. <laughs> That's amazing listening to you because you like you want to crack a joke right now. You know you got to hold it yourself. Uh, that, that, that's really funny. I uh, had a chance to hang out with Rodney Harrison a few times, and him coming from uh, San Diego, I mean, he was always serious. But he became, I, I don't want to say serious, but he became a little bit more dialed in, as you said, and focused. Is, is that just the way it is from the coaching staff to the players and even the trainers included? Definitely. I think just paying they, so much detail. The guys just try and pay attention to, try and get every coaching point, try and get the, the route depth right or the right protection right, the, all the adjustments right. And I think, I mean, guys just really buy into what the coaches say, and I think it helps us a lot. Finally, as I mentioned, very important league initiative going on right now. My cause, my cleats. James, tell us about Best Buddies and why they're important to you. Oh, for me, um, my uncle actually introduced me to them about three years ago, my second year in the league. He worked in the same office as them. And, I mean, I had no idea what Best Buddies was, but uh, my my first time interacting with with them, they kind of gave me the whole spiel on how they – you know, integrate uh, people with intellectual and development, uh, de- developmental disabilities and how they help them get jobs, build friendships with people like kids in high school, NFL players or whatnot, just make, help them feel included because they're just as important to society as, as anybody else. And just really getting involved with that is I just try and do more and more as much as I can because I think it's just such a great cause and they do, they do a great job with it. And my friends in New England tell me Tom Brady's been heavily involved with Best Buddies for years. Okay, so that's my cause. How about my cleats? What are you going to be rocking this weekend? You, you, you know, I'll, be, I'll be posting them tomorrow probably uh, on my social media. Uh, just some, some Adidas cleats that my, my guy Jeff Rose kind of customized for me. He did a pretty good job on them, and uh, I'll probably share them, with, share them with everybody probably tomorrow. Let's be honest. Did Coach Bill Belichick tell you guys to be careful what you put on your shoes? 
Did he say make sure no, it's not no, too, too no, much? No, he, did. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> it's for charity, after all, Cordell. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, you, you yeah. know, every once in a while, some guys' charities, when it comes to design and art, is a little different than others. Right, right. You know, Coach Bill Belichick, he's, you know, he's a stickler of making sure you, 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 you represent the brand, of course, there in New England very well. And, and I got to be honest, man, congrats on everything you guys have accomplished so far and everything that you're a part of from a charitable standpoint. And uh, just keep working, man, because truly when listening to it, after seeing other teams and, and how they speak about their teams and, and their own selfish endeavors within the team, uh, it, it's, it's refreshing at the same time. As pundits, you know, we want a lot more, but it's still good to hear, man, and, and congrats so far up until this point, and good luck moving forward. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, James. No problem. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on This Week on NFL No Huddle, we're joined by Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Vance McDonald. Vance, thanks so much for taking the time on your day off. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well, and we appreciate you joining us. So let's go back to the drama of last night on Sunday Night Football. Thrilling victory for your Steelers over the Packers. What would you take away from that game? Man, just first things first. It's just, I mean, we're just rolling through here and, and getting three wins here in November is, is really awesome. I mean, we've got a commanding lead here in the AFC North, so it's that's a great feeling going in here to play in the latter part of the season. But last night is just, I mean, in primetime football, as a fan, as part of the Steelers organization, I mean, it just was a great, great win. And Antonio Brown is the greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> he just made some spectacular plays, and it was so fun. It's a great team win, for sure. Vance, there's nothing wrong with saying it. Um, he is considered as one of the best, if not the best in the game, because of how he does it. Um, but give me your take, and, and, and you may not have to give us everything that Coach Mike Tomlin said, but in a few games you guys had this year, uh, you guys kind of made it closer than what you necessarily needed to. Um, starting out with the Cleveland Browns, of course. Uh, then you get to Chicago. Uh, then Jacksonville, of course, been in that game. And then Indy on the road. What do you guys have to do moving forward considering you have Cincy? You know, that's a hard game going into Cincy. And Baltimore, they're not afraid to play the Steelers anywhere they play them. And then New England. I know that's down the road, but you have to start building that type of chemistry and camaraderie in a sense of how you play to allow you to get what you want in the end. What did Coach Mike Tomlin tell you guys in that meeting today? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's true for sure. I, I mean, we have been in some close games. Um and, you know, I mean, even stats kind of even talk about two NFL games. I mean, usually are more or less considered uh, decided by one possession. And uh, you know, we've been in some close ones, like you said. Um, I think kind of the big takeaway, though, is uh, just the fact that we've been able to finish in those, those games, uh, you know, on offense usually most of the time. And it's just, I mean, that's a great feeling being able to go down the field, in the control, right. 
and take over the situation and, and come out with a win. Um, but yeah, I mean, Coach Tomlin, it's, I mean, football's football. We know how hard it is as players and as the staff, staff that's been together for a while, it is to win in the NFL. Um, and we've been doing it at a high level this year. I mean, it kind of sounded like Coach Tomlin saying that, but, um, <laughs> I mean, it really kind of comes down to possession downs. I know he talks about that a lot, too. Uh, we did a lot better last night. Um, but then again, at the, at the end of the day, man, we have to take care of the ball on offense. And so, you know, we're going into every single game talking about trying to, you know, run the ball well, stop the ball well, or stop the run well, uh, take care of the football, and, and we have to win on possession downs. And so um, there was a lot of times throughout this season we've been kind of bad on first down, and it's put us in some bad third downs, and we have not converted. So, uh Really, I mean, just at the end of the day, we, we just have to keep playing Steeler football and uh, keep plugging away and, and finish the season on strong and, and go into the playoffs with some a big advantage of having that bye week. Steelers tight end Vance McDonald is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Since Cordell brought up Mike Tomlin, Vance, in an interview with Tony Dungy on NBC last night, your coach was blunt when asked about the Super Bowl, saying the Steelers should win it all. As a player, how much do you like to hear your coach have that kind of public confidence? Because as you know, a lot of coaches would be just dusting off the cliches, taking it one game at a time. Yeah, I mean, Coach Tomlin is, is I mean, he's spectacular. Uh, you know, there's a reason the Steelers are as, as reliable and as they are, and I mean, they find guys like him to lead the organization, and, and he's just been a blast to to be a part of this year, just be a part of that team. Um, but he is, man, he he, he is well spoken, and and he does a great job all the time addressing us, addressing the media. Uh, and even too, kind of taking those little cliche moments or talking about kind of big picture Super Bowl appearances. I mean, again, it, it's a special game to play in, and it doesn't happen very often, and. Uh, just got to take care of business, man, and, and we're going to get there and, and have a chance to win it all. So that's just what we're going for. Vance, when looking at you guys' offense, I mean, defense is always going to be stingy when they have to, but offensively, I mean, you guys have so many pieces on the offensive side of the football, starting with obviously Ben and Antonio Brown, and you just don't know which Le'Veon Bell is going to show up next week um, when it comes to running the football. It can, he can give you 80 yards in a game, and he can come back and give you almost 200 yards in a game. How good does it feel as a tight end to be able to be a part of that behind Jesse James or beside Jesse James and can get in and be a big part of the success because of everything else that they have around? You end up getting one-on-one matchups against a small linebacker, and before you know you may end up catching a touchdown or two in a game to, to, to save the days pretty much. How good does it feel to know that you have that type of an offense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very true, so true. Um, I have it. Got to fully explore that. Uh, you know, I've been with the Steelers for a short while and had a couple bumps along the way. And so, uh, I mean, I'm, that's just one of those things that I'm just going to appreciate more and more as, as more games come and go. Um, but it is, man. I mean, just knowing that you get a guy that's been back there, you know, doing it for a long time and been and uh, trust him, you know, and, and really kind of the big thing is, is getting that work with him uh, throughout the week kind of figuring out exactly what he kind of sees or feels uh, on certain routes and stuff. And so when you have that kind of chemistry and stuff that he develops and takes the time to develop individually with all the guys, I mean, it creates some crazy, awesome, like, offensive weapons. And so I really kind of think that's what it kind of comes down to. I mean, he spends so much time individually with guys, learning guys' strengths and weaknesses, what he kind of wants them to do, how they feel this route, and – 
man, at the end of the day, it's in clutch time, like on that two-minute drive kind of last night. I mean, you see Antonio Brown. I mean, there's there's subtle things that he does in route running that other guys that team won't necessarily do, and Ben knows exactly those those things. And so it's just really awesome to be a part of, of what I think is just legendary a legendary time for, for Pittsburgh again. And, uh, man, yeah, I just, just want to finish it off strong. Finish the season strong in the Super Bowl. Chatting with Steelers tight end Vance McDonald. Vance, football's a team – dynamic but let's talk some more about your individual experience what's the season been like for you trades usually don't happen in the month of august but you were dealt from the niners to the steelers just before the start of the regular season yeah that was uh that was definitely a whirlwind and um i mean just like any transition it's it's really rough at first uh don't know anyone on the team and uh except boz boswell play with him at rice um yeah you're coming into a new environment i mean you don't know Personalities, um, leadership. I mean, it's. I mean, it's all brand new. You don't know the building. Uh, I mean, needless to say, you don't know the offense whatsoever. So, uh, it's definitely a transition. And so, man, just gotta embrace it and just dive right in. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and luckily, it was a great organization. You know, we've been talking about it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just it's just a come a come and go thing. I mean, each week you kind of learn something new. Uh, now that I've gotten the offense kind of digested and, and learned that, I mean, it, you're just off to, I mean, different parts. You know, like we're talking about today, my calls, my cleats. You learn about community relations, learn learning about the player development. Uh, and I mean, there's just, there's so many things that that kind of all encompass kind of give success to the guys. You know, to us players on and off the field. I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah, just one of those things that I'm learning here in Pittsburgh. But the city, fan base, the team success, I mean, it's just it's been absolutely amazing. And uh I just think I'm really fortunate to be to be a part of it, man. That's and that's how I see it. Well the good thing is is you had an opportunity to be a part of two great organizations, one that's not winning necessarily right now in the San Francisco 49ers, but the history of the organization uh, is pretty darn phenomenal. When you get a chance to be a part of a team like this where the fans are more passionate than you in some cases. You know, you try to, you know, pick out your spots when you want to really get intense and try to stay focused. But when every time you go somewhere, whether it's a grocery store to the convenience store to just getting some gas and they they figure out who you are, how intense has it been for you now that you've gone from San Fran that was struggling and not having the success to now being in this situation where it's, it's it's pretty crazy. It's black and yellow every single way. The, the bridges that you cross is yellow, and everything else around it. I mean, it's it's amazing. Tell me how it. Tell us how it is for you. Yeah, it's yeah. That is a big. It's a big transition. I mean, in San Fran, you know, we're down there in the Bay Area, and life is 100 miles an hour. Um, and there's much much more hobbies, business things to focus on besides football. And um, and so there, yeah, honestly, there really wasn't a lot. I mean. Obviously, around game day and things like that, things that are team-oriented, you're going to see a lot of fans and stuff. But, you know, just day-to-day things, like when you're out and about, not very many people recognizing us. I mean, tech, I mean, they have everything. And so here in Pittsburgh, like you're saying, it's everywhere you look, things are black and yellow. I mean, it's just it's just a, it's a, it's a way of life. And so, um, yeah, man, it's been really neat. You know, I'm in my fifth year now, and so to kind of be able to, to feel that um, – Kind of have that that presence here in, the, in your home city. It's it's a pretty cool deal. But like you're saying, man, that San Francisco is in, is a great organization. I mean, they have their history of Super Bowl teams and you know, five championships, so they're 
you know, they're, they're well established in the NFL world. Um, but yeah, I'm just fortunate to have played for both of them now. Finally, Vance, a very special week with the My Cause, My Cleats campaign. What can you tell us about your cause, the Convoy of Hope? Yeah, so um, Convoy of Hope, my wife and I met them four years ago randomly, uh, or I guess coincidentally, rather. Um, we uh, we always wanted to kind of go abroad, overseas, and do some, some mission work, whether it was help building schools or, or visiting kids, um, but just kind of kind of visiting and giving to those that are just kind of less fortunate and born into poverty. And so um, we were out there in San Fran, and we got together with uh, the team chaplain out there and, uh, you know, just kind of told them our idea, said, hey, we want to organize uh, a trip with just teammates and their significant others uh, to just go somewhere, uh, preferably close, and just see what happens. And uh, we teamed up with Convoy of Hope, and since then, we, uh, my wife and I and our family have grown pretty close with them. And, and the story of the person who, who started Convoy, Hal Donaldson, has an unbelievable story. And, um, I mean, just hit with a very tragic situation, young with his family and brothers. His dad died from a drunk driver, and um, they were on welfare, very, very poor. And uh, a family just randomly stepped up uh, one night and took all the kids in when his mom was the only one left, and she was in critical condition, and uh, brought them to their trailer and showed them just grace and compassion. And... Uh, that just became a way of life from him uh, from then on. And so he started this company, Convoy of Hope, and they are geared to, uh, to helping just, just all the poverty and, and this, the sick and hurting and hungry people of the world. And so they are established in, in children's feedings, women's empowerment, um, uh, farming initiatives and in agriculture, as well as disaster relief uh, here in America and overseas, actually, in other countries as well. Um, but they're just an absolutely tremendous organization that, that their goal is to work themselves out of a job by creating, you know, sustaining agricultural and, and third world countries um, and really just kind of changing the way people kind of view the world when they're stripped with disaster and uh, try to kind of bring them uh, kind of a beacon of hope, if you will, um, after, you know, such events. So I know it's been a crazy year with weather, you know, hurricanes specifically here in the Gulf. Uh, my hometown even was hit really, really hard. Um, it was kind of rough going through. Not only I got traded to Pittsburgh, um, but Harvey hit Houston, and my hometown's about an hour from Houston. Um, and it's crazy keeping up with the videos and pictures from my family. And, and my family actually all all left their homes and evacuated and moved in with my parents, who was one of the, luckily, the, the only ones that didn't get flooded there and winning in my hometown. And so... Um, you know, they're updating me every single day. Uh, but Convoy Pope it made it a point to uh, to visit these small, I mean, you have Red Cross and these big organizations that stick in Houston and the major cities and stuff. And Convoy Pope kind of hits the, the outskirts, the, the places that are, that are hurting but aren't necessarily on the map, so to speak. Um, and, again, I mean, they're, just, they're really just to bring hope to people and just to, to, be, to show grace and compassion. And it's infectious for my wife and I, and it's something that, way of life that we want to live. And so, um, you know, Convoy, a huge shout out to them for what they've done for us. But uh, again, just what they're doing for everyone else in the world. And so they're a really great organization. I'm, I'm happy to be able to wear them on my cleats and showcase them and salute them for sure.
Sounds like an outstanding organization doing great work that's truly resonated with you and your family. Vance, we really appreciate the visit. Thanks so much for joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, guys. Y'all take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind with a short attention span. We're at episode number 83, incredibly. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history. And discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And beaming out across all of space and time. This is Star Talk. Where science and pop culture collide. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early, listen often, and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on this week on NFL No Huddle, taking you around the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, we know it's a very busy day for you, so thanks so much for the time. You know the Giants' culture well. You covered this team for many years. Your reaction to the news that Eli Manning's been benched? I'm surprised, but I'm pleasantly surprised because... I think the only logical reason to keep playing Eli Manning in a lost season is that the old, oh, he's our quarterback line. I mean, and the only thing that the Giants have left to play for the rest of this year is to try to make an intelligent decision about whether Geno Smith, which is highly doubtful, or Davis Webb, which is doubtful, but you never know, Um, has a chance or a good chance to be a long-term quarterback there. And so I think, you know, you give Geno Smith a couple of games and then you give Davis Webb, the way I would do it is give him three games and just see what happens. But I think it would be silly to basically just play Eli Manning either to keep this streak going or uh, for, for, you know, for some other reason – you know, just because they don't want to stop playing a guy who's not totally responsible for it, but he hasn't played well. And when saying that, these types of moves cause you to assume as you move forward to the offseason that there may be even more moves. Coach McAdoo and Eli Manning, do you think they maintain being there with the Giants as a head well, coach? Well, Cordell, player? Eli Manning has a pretty tight no-trade clause in his contract. My gut feeling is, and it's only a gut feeling, is that there will be some interest in Eli Manning if the Giants were to um, express some sort of interest or if Eli were to express some sort of interest that he might want to go. And honestly, it's weird because obviously involving his brother, I think this is a call that John Elway should and quite possibly will make 
uh, to gauge the Giants' interest. The problem is right now, you know, like in February or March, the problem now, as I see it, is that I don't know who's going to be running the Giants in February because, I mean, Jerry Reese on the plus side, the general manager, has won two Super Bowls in 11 years. But on the minus side, they really have been uh, not a good team and also not a, uh, uh, not a big playoff factor since 2011. And so I think John Mara has to make a decision with the Giants, not only on his, uh, his head coach, but he's also got to make a decision on his general manager. Chatting with our NFL insider Peter King of the MMQB. Peter, before you joined us, we were having a lot of Jacksonville conversation. How about a reunion? Eli Manning teaming up with Tom Coughlin once more. Makes a lot of sense. I know that Coughlin loves Eli, um, and that's another place that makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, first, that uh, it's one of those things that that the 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 that Eli is going to have to decide what his level of interest is in playing somewhere else, and the Giants would have to be in favor of it. And I have no indication that they've soured on Manning to the point where they'd like to get rid of him. I, I, I would just say one other thing, that Eli Manning, in my opinion, right now, is at a point in his career where clearly he could play another two or three years easily if he wants to. But if you're the New York Giants, you have to ask yourself, is that good enough, and do we want that to happen? And the reason why you can't answer that question right now is that you really don't know who's going to coach your team next year right now, and you don't know who's going to be the general manager, the architect of your team. So I think those are not real, not questions that you really can start to answer until, let's say, the middle of January. What about the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, this is a football team that everyone anticipated being pretty good, but as of lately, five or six, five out of the last six games they've lost. What do you see their future look like so far when it comes down to being able to win that? Cordell, I think one of the things that has happened in Kansas City, and as a quarterback, I think you would understand this, early in the year, I think there was zero respect for Alex Smith's ability to air the ball out. But after they used in that first game against New England, uh, Kareem Hunt on a 78-yard seam route, and Tyreek Hill the first two or three weeks of the year was uh, a huge downfield threat, and Alex Smith was hitting him. So then all of a sudden, I think teams started more regularly playing two deep safeties and basically saying, okay, beat us in the middle of the field. Beat us with Travis Kelsey consistently. Beat us with the short passing game, the intermediate passing game. And they've been very inconsistent in that regard. And in the last six or seven weeks, Kareem Hunt has gone from a phenom to, you know, a below-average NFL running back. So I think those are the two biggest factors in why the Chiefs have been so mortal. Peter, let's wrap it up with law and order. Even though the optics of the brawl between Aqib Tlaib and Michael Crabtree were poor, were you surprised the league came down that hard with a two-game suspension? Well, the reason I was surprised, Brian, is that if you look at the game, that happened three minutes into the game. So the league essentially has suspended these guys for three games. And that's 
a tremendous... If you suspend two guys for essentially, you know, 18% of the season, think about that. That's, that's, that's a lot. You know, that's, you're, you're suspending two players for a fifth of the season and taking them out for 57 minutes of one game and then two full games after that. And, um, I mean, this is one of those things, quite honestly, that, and I'm not defending either guy, but the reason that I think this is excessive is one of the re- things that Jerry Jones has talked about. The NFL is in a big way suspension happy. And in my opinion, if you eject a player from a game early in a game and you add one game onto it, that's plenty. And it's a huge deterrent, you know, for the future. And if they ever do it again, suspend them for eight games. But to give them essentially three games now, that's, I just think it's way too much myself. Peter, as always, we value the insights. Have a great week. We'll chat with you Sunday, NFL First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Thanks very much, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle. Throws. It is five. Take five. Take two. Take one. To the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to this week on NFL No Huddle as we welcome in Baltimore Ravens cornerback Brandon Carr. Brandon, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We are doing well, and we appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. What's this season been like for you? Transitional year, first year in Baltimore, and you walk into a locker room with some big personalities like Terrell Suggs. It's been everything that I that I hoped for and that I, that I ever imagined. Um, just being in a in a in a town in the community, um, an organization where defense is is very dominant. Um, the 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 tone was set early when we got here to, to be the best that we could be and working our butts off to get there. Brandon, there's been a tremendous amount of injuries in the secondary uh, for some for the, over the last couple of years, of course, and. And we've seen you've seen the offense kind of sputter in the sense of, of what they were trying to do, whether it's the running game or even Joe Flacco. But you guys are still in the thick of things with having an opportunity uh, to do what you want to do, which is most importantly, get to the postseason. Give me your take on what you guys need to do moving forward to make this thing come to fruition. Well, on the defense side of the ball, you know, continue to uh, you know get better each and every week. Um, the less points that we we hang, let, let the point up on the board, the better for us and the offense. You know, those guys are. You know, take care of themselves. But, you know, we, we're excited to go out there on defense no matter what the situation is to go out there and try to make a play, make a play for our team, get off the field. So, um, you know, every other two phases of the game, we really can't worry about those guys. We're just on the defense side of the ball. Continue just to up, uplift each other and get better each and every week. Ravens quarterback Brandon Carr is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Brandon, I want to talk much more about how things have come together defensively in Baltimore, but when you joined us, we were talking about tonight's game between Washington and Dallas. You know that rivalry well. Let's go back to last year. When Dak Prescott got the opportunity, how long did it take you and your teammates to realize this young man was something special? Uh, we knew he was special in, in, in training camp. Um, just just seeing him, the way he uh, presented himself and carried himself around the huddle and just around the, the facility, uh, you knew he was special. And then when his opportunity uh, presented itself, 
Um, he didn't. He didn't bat an eye. You know, he's a guy with uh, extreme composure and confidence, and uh, you know, he has a great coordinator and a great line behind him to uh, you know give him more confidence as he steps onto the field. Um, you know, this year he's missing. Missing this guy, 21 right now, which is hurting him a little bit. But you know they had 10 weeks or 10 days, sorry, 10 days to prepare for this game. It's a pretty big game for a must win, and uh, I look, I look forward to those guys going out there and, and playing with some juice tonight. You talked about T. Sizzle. T. Sizzle's been around for for a long time, um, and, and and I remember there was a couple years that I was there in Baltimore, and 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 he was following behind Ray Lewis, and I'm more than sure now. <clears throat> excuse me, he's the leader of this defense from an emotional standpoint, also how he prepares. Uh, give me your take on what you see of him when it comes down to being able to impose his will uh, on offensive linemen to be able to get to quarterbacks. Well, I mean, that that comes from what people don't see, just, just the film study, um, just his awareness. Um, this this is his uh, boardroom work, you know, each and every day, preparing himself to go out there and play fast, you know, get a jump on the offense. And, you know, most games he knows often like the back of his hand. He's out there calling plays and, and pretty much knowing what's going on. So that, that allows him to play fast. And, you know, he's, a, he's an extreme uh, athlete and a freak of nature uh, with, a, with a personality to go out there destroy and destruct anything. You know, he plays like that, and we feed off of him. Brandon, let's focus on your football journey. You played your college football at Division II Grand Valley State, then a fifth-round pick into the NFL. Early in your career, were you motivated at all to prove some of the people who doubted you wrong? I never, I never stopped being motivated. I've been motivated ever since I was a young boy. I always had a chip on my shoulder. Um, so I always been naysayers. Um, you know, people say you're too small, too slow. You know, a lot of different things. Went to Division Two, but I just let those chips just add up on my shoulder, man. A big boulder. I just um, every day I step on the field, man. I'm always trying to prove myself. Um, you know, that I belong in this game, but also just to uh, prove to the ones coming after me that you know, uh, if there's a will, there's a way. When you talk about there's a will, there's a way. Um, this football team has, has, I think, been battle-tested, to be honest with you. And however you guys need to get it done, you do. Defensively, I think you guys, when, when, when it's time to, to buckle up your chin straps and really come after it, you guys do it better than most. Can you guys get to a point where you say, you know what, every single week we don't care who we play, it's our responsibility to put at least 10 points on the board. Do you guys put pressure on yourself to get turnovers and try to get points off of those as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we have a number on our board. We're trying to strive towards it. And, um, you know, especially now, December football, um, this, this is playoff ball. You know, every possession counts, every play counts. So, you know, we, we look forward to, um, you know, our film study of preparations. So we go out there and play as fast as we can. And we can score points on our side of the ball. That's, that's added for our, for our whole team in general. So uh, we, we try to take the ball away and score as many times as we can. And hopefully in the next few weeks we can get some more points on the board from the defensive side. Chatting with Ravens quarterback Brandon Carr, and that starts with Sunday's matchup, a game filled with playoff implications for both you and Detroit. What kind of challenge do you think Matthew Stafford and that offense is going to present based on the film study you've been doing? Uh, he's a he's a good quarterback, elite quarterback with a strong arm. Uh, he has the keys to the offense. Um, you know, he's making checks at the line. Um, he has confidence in the receivers and confidence in his arm as well. Uh, so it's going to be a challenge for us. We're excited for it. This is what we play the game for. This is what we, you know, we build up to this point in the season, the December football, play against high-powered offenses at home. Uh, so we, we're ready for the challenge, ready for the matchup. How far, how much, do you, are you guys looking forward to playing Pittsburgh in two more weeks or are you guys really focused on Detroit? Give me Give me your take on how you guys look at games moving forward? Because I, I remember Coach Mike Tomlin mentioned New England Patriots, and that's two to three games down the road. But do you guys really do take it game by game, considering that you know you have one of your arch rivals coming up in the next week or two? I mean, you can, I think you, can, you can't afford to look for it right now, especially at this point in the season. It's a crucial part for us to keep, continue to string, string wins along. And, uh, you know, a two-game winning streak. Uh, you know, we got some arrivals coming up, but we have a big game in front of a, a must-win for us. 
um, to stay in this race um, for for playoffs. So, I mean, it's, this is essentially a playoff game for us right now. So take care of the business at hand. Brandon, as you know, your teammate Alex Collins now has been making headlines because Irish dancing apparently has made him a better running back. It's worked. <laughs> He's found his way into the end zone. Other guys on the team trying this? Are you willing to put on the shoes and get out there and try some Irish dancing? That's funny, but uh, in high school growing up, um, my friends and I, um, we had an idea. We wanted to uh, sign up for a dance class to get our coordination and our, our balance and things um, to where we, where we wanted to be. So, I mean, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, um, you know, tell a young person not to, not to try. You know, myself, I got some other drills I like to do out there, but I think it's a good good uh, exercise for coordination. When it comes to dancing, do you think you guys will probably get the best dance award in the end zone? Because I've seen a lot of good stuff going on around the National Football League. Got the bowling uh, fiasco in Philadelphia when the guys were looking like the pins, and then you had some guys putting or, or chipping like they were playing golf. What do you guys have on the horizon when it comes to dancing in the end zone? That's, that's been the best rule change, uh, you know, throughout this whole process, man, allowing guys to show their creativity and just to, you know, just have fun playing the game. Um, but, you know, we, we have some more dances lined up. We got to make some more plays and uh, hopefully the more plays we make, the bigger our dances get for us. So we have, we have fun doing it and just uh, fun throughout the week trying to create new, new dances. We'll be tracking that. Let's wrap it up with what's truly important. It feels like giving back is significant to you. What can you tell us about your Car Cares Foundation? There's an outstanding video the Ravens tweeted of you working with kids at a school promoting literacy. Well, the Car Cares uh, Foundation has been um, – Founded ever since 2012. Um, this has been a passion of mine, just my upbringing of my, my mom and my aunts being school teachers and my dad being my uh, basketball coach, just seeing the impact they had on, on, on both worlds. Um, you know, Car Cares is uh, essentially my platform as I get older. Um, literacy is big for me, my family, and the foundation. I, I believe that just uh, being a proficient reader is just critical to a young student's success um, as we move forward. And, you know, by third and fourth grade, you know, it's either you, you read and learn or, or learn to read. And, you know, a lot of children get left behind at that crucial crucial time. So the Car Cares Foundation is there to provide these different resources and tools. Um, Flint, Flint, Michigan, Dallas, Texas, and now we're in uh, Baltimore, Maryland communities. And uh, we're having fun doing it, man. It's, it's been incredible. The reception has been amazing. And we just look forward to trying to motivate and create awareness as we go. And let's wrap it up with style points. What are your cleats going to look like this week? Ah oh, man, you got to check them out. I got you know I kept kept my colors with the uh, the Ravens colors. I threw a little blue in from uh, the foundation colors from from last year. Some uh, Miami Miami Beach blue type, and then uh, got the logo. And I have a you know little design of a book opened up into some some Ravens flying in the air. You know just to let your imagination soar when you when you dive into some books. So just uh, try to keep it fun and light, nice colors. Uh, Looking forward to a win, man. Looking forward to a win and putting awareness out there for car cares and, and literacy. I like it. Very cool imagery. Brandon, we really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck on Sunday. Thanks for the visit today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened. And along with our co-host, We Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van Dan Kirk. Dan Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down. And then us and a guest, we and a guest break it all down. And we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour, and you will enjoy it. It's a riff fast. Silly. You can hear episodes of our show uh, a full week early right here on TuneIn. Listen to TuneIn on your time with TuneIn On Demand. Jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip? Download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks. And enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are. When you're ready to escape. 
Head to your favorites, hit play, and listen, with or without a Wi-Fi connection. Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre, save your data with TuneIn On Demand. Download your favorites today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on This Week on NFL No Huddle, we visit with NFL Network Insider and NFL on Tuning contributor Ian Rappaport. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, always a pleasure. If Eli Manning is moving on from the Giants, what could the market look like for his services beyond a reunion with Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, I think the only situation we've seen recently that is similar at all uh, is for Peyton Manning. And obviously, Eli Manning wasn't quite as good as Peyton Manning football-wise, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. the contract would be, uh, you know, would be similar. But you know, we've seen a team with a ready-made defense, uh, just need a quarterback, a veteran quarterback who would come in and, and, you know, for a couple years, like two or three, just kind of light a fire under the organization. And, um, you know, there's a couple of those teams that would apply to, maybe even the Broncos would be one. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be another. Um, you know, those teams where really all they need is just a veteran quarterback to step in. And I think that's if Manning did decide to move on, if the Giants decided to move on and cut him, you know, that would be something kind of worth worth considering. When understanding that, um, there also probably is another place. Uh, how about the Arizona Cardinals and Bruce Arians and, and how he's considered to some as the quarterback risperer? How would that actually work out considering Carson Palmer probably won't be back next year? Yeah, that would make some sense. And, you know, the Cardinals did revive, um, you know, Carson Palmer's career a little bit. Um I'm not sure it's a great fit. You know, Eli uh, is not sure his arm quite is what it is. Uh, they throw downfield a lot. Their quarterbacks take a lot of punishment. Uh, you know, and plus, I think there is a possibility that, you know, Blaine Gabbert is the guy for them. Um, that would be something to consider as well. Um, so I don't know if that would be a great place, but really any place with a good team that needs a quarterback would be considered. And Bruce Arians reiterating what you said. Blaine Gabbert could have a future in Arizona. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, there are reports that Rams head coach Sean McVay has been helping Jared Goff with his audibles on the radio communication in his helmet before it shuts off. Just how common is that in the NFL? It's more common in college football. And obviously you don't have the communication system, but what you do have in college is a quarterback coming to the line and then – looking over to the sidelines and the coach holding up the cards or basically telling them what to change into. It's really clever from the Rams, you know, to, to figure that out and kind of do that and, and show, you know, how the, the kind of help that a head coach can give his quarterback and any team can do it. You know, any team can go up to the line and tell their quarterback, just hang in there, go up early and wait. And I'll tell you what audible to, to go to. And it's really smart. Uh, I think, you know, you'd like to get to a point where Goff does not have to do that anymore. He can just go up and make the decision himself uh, before, you know, before the communication cuts off. But um, it's probably going to get more common now as teams realize you can do that. Ian, uh, Aqib Tlaib and also Michael Crabtree have a history of of going back and forth with one another. Last year, it came down to snatching a chain when they were in Denver, and now all of a sudden it happens again, and, and the suspension was reduced from one, from two games 
to one game. Do you think that's enough or, or should have been more? And how do you think the team's going to handle, the league is going to handle these two when it comes down to matching up as we move forward into the future? Well, I mean, I would think, you know, next time they match up, it would be sort of a zero tolerance type deal. But, you know, we all had a warning of this last year. I mean, it was a chain-snatching incident last year as well. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I don't really know what more there needed to be said between, you know, besides these guys have a history. They need to come ready to play football. And, you know, they did, um, you know, obviously they, they did – Go at it, uh, and I think the reason they received multiple games that eventually was was knocked down to one game was because basically they had a fight, um, and then it sort of quieted down. Then it escalated again. It was almost like a second incident inside that one incident. And that's you know really why the league decided to come down hard on them because in other situations this year, you know when a guy is uh, ejected, that's basically their suspension. That's basically their punishment. But these guys. It went beyond that. Finally, what can you tell us about Darren McFadden? Three weeks ago, we were running through candidates to fill in for Ezekiel Elliott. He was a name that we were focusing on. Yesterday, we find out he's retired. He's walking away from football. Well, I think what happened with the Cowboys is, you know, you, you get ready and you think you could play and you're kind of gearing up for it. And then basically it's been almost two years where McFadden's been on the team and not really been used. And they clearly you know, went to another option this year. You know, it was Rod Smith, then it was Alfred Morris. Um, now it'll probably be Trey Williams. You know, it's clear he wasn't in their plans, and he's made a lot of money. He's been successful. He's had some good years, some good memories. I think for him it was just time. Uh, you can get beat up. Uh, certainly he did, uh, but it was time. Now he says he's ready to be the next head coach at his alma mater of Arkansas. Ian, as always, we there appreciate the insights. Have a great week. We'll chat with you Sunday on First and Goal on TuneIn Premium. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. To solve a crime, you need to go to the crime scene. So, in my podcast, Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, I team up with writers and actors to recreate the circumstances around cold cases and try to solve real crimes. Every Tuesday, we delve into true and real cold cases, like the Black Dahlia murder. Listen to new episodes of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, one week early on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out this week on NFL No Huddle, we're joined by Tyler Dunn of Bleacher Reports. Tyler, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to join us again. So if Eli is moving on from the Giants, as conventional wisdom suggests, what could the market look like for him beyond a reunion with Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville? Man, you have to think that there's a market for Eli Manning, even at at his age, because, I mean, I think that people, you know, personnel people around the league, they really see the problems there in New York, right? I mean, there were drop passes every week. Uh, the defense did not perform up to expectations at all. I mean, there was really just no talent around him. I mean, it, it wasn't 
Eli Manning is not the reason that they're having the season that they're having. There, there's going to be a market for this guy. If you surround him with better receivers, a strong defense, you know, he's still somebody that can take you deep into the playoffs. I, I think there's a lot of people around the NFL who truly do believe that. I, if I was going to give you specific teams, I'd really just be throwing you know darts at the dartboard. Obviously, Jacksonville makes a ton of sense for all the reasons. I mean, Tom Coughlin being the number one reason. So, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I, I think there will, there will definitely be a market for this guy. Give me your take, Tyler, on how they handled that situation with Eli. I mean, here it is. He's, he's one of the marquee quarterbacks in the game. He's done a lot for that organization. He's one of the elite quarterbacks when it comes to conversation. Maybe not performance every year. But to see this organization handle the face of the franchise like this, uh, give me yeah, your take I know on how you think it's going to tried to explain it away and, and really say that, look, quarterback is no different than any other position we have to evaluate for next season, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But, I mean, my gosh, I think that there's been a, a lot of evaluation on Geno Smith already. I mean, if you're going to go to that extent, you, you play the rookie at some point. Um, that would at least align with his reasoning here. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's not like Eli Manning has had this dreadful season. I mean, even – with all of the drops and some of the worst offensive line play you're going to see in the NFL, that the guy you know, threw 14 touchdowns, seven picks, and a decent rating. He's, he's kept him in games they had no business even being in. He, he is, is not the problem. I mean, I think you get a better evaluation of other young players around Eli Manning if Eli Manning is on the field. So they didn't handle it right you know, in terms of their logic, and they didn't handle it right in terms of the big picture. I mean, this is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, this is the face of the team. One of the best players in team history. There's going to be statues built of this guy for what he's done to just kind of unceremoniously shove him aside like they did. Um, it's really pathetic, and I think that it doesn't resonate well at all in the locker room. And there's a lot of people not only rolling their eyes, but you know, probably looking to get the heck out of there. Tyler Dunn, the Bleach Report, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tyler, let me drag you into a ongoing difference of opinion on this program. I am a Case Keenum skeptic. Cordell is a major fan. I'm going to defer to you because you know that division. You used to cover the Packers. How surprised are you Case Keenum's playing this well? Do you think it's sustainable? Man, I'm a believer. (laughs) I'm with Cordell on this one, it's uh, and I wasn't always that way. I mean, this is. You know, this is <laughs> he's, he's been a journeyman. He's been you know cycling through different systems, different coordinators, different teams. A lot of it has to do with the talent around the guy. Um, you know, obviously they've got Adam Thielen, they've got Stephon Diggs, they've got Kyle Rudolph, a really strong offensive line. All of that helps, but. He's been pushing all the right buttons. I mean, you, you can see it up close. I was at that Vikings-Rams game. I mean, he was, you know, making decisions on the fly. I mean, he isn't a robot out there. He, he's kind of been decisive in a manner you really haven't seen out of any Vikings quarterback in quite some time. That I, I think that you have to give Keenum credit where credit's due as well. And allow me to further this conversation. So he plays well. They win a division, which I, I think we all can agree they will. He gets a chance to get into the postseason. He wins his first game. Does the Minnesota Vikings offer him a long-term deal? I would think he'd have to, right? I mean, if he does all of that, if if he takes you places you just haven't really gone as a franchise, I think he'd be nuts to just, you know, close the book on Case Keenum. I know Teddy Bridgewater's right there. And maybe Teddy Bridgewater, 
you know, is better than Case Keenum. It is a quarterback who can get him over a hump that Case Keenum can't. But if Case Keenum gets him into the playoffs, they, they win a couple games, they, they prove that they're a realistic Super Bowl contender. I mean, this is a team that could host a Super Bowl. That's a very real possibility. You've got to keep him long-term. I mean, there has just been too many dreadful players that have cycled through that franchise at quarterback year after year after year. I mean, they, with the exception of Brett Favre and 09, they just have had some of the worst quarterback play you're going to see that you don't mess with a good thing. And Tyler, you probably have thought of this, and Cordell, you can steal it if you want. If you want to make the Case Keenum argument and connect it to Minnesota, remember when Rich Gannon was the backup in Minnesota and waited and waited and waited for an opportunity, finally went to the Raiders, blossomed into a league MVP. I'm not buying it, but if you want to come up with a straw man argument, that's how it sounds. As I'm now answering and asking the questions here on NFL No Huddle, <laughs> taking you around the league with Tyler Dunn, Bleach Report. Tyler, we have Washington playing Dallas tonight in primetime. Where is Kirk Cousins playing next season, in your opinion? Oh, my gosh, man. I... He could be in, what, six or seven different places. You would think that logic would prevail and the Redskins wouldn't let a top 10, possibly top five quarterback get away. I mean, I think that Kirk Cousins plays himself into that blank check. I know they're five and six, but my gosh, I mean, they took all his weapons away. They've had injuries all over the place. You know, they're probably a one or two team, two win team without Kirk Cousins. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that he has a shot at sticking around, although it, the Redskins really seem dead set on not paying him what he wants and letting him walk, which just seems nuts. So, you know, San Francisco, you know, we're going to see what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo flops. I mean, there's the obvious San Francisco connection out there. That could be a possibility. I mean, living here in Buffalo, I think the Bills would love to add a Kirk Cousins if they could. Both New York teams could. He, he could really be anywhere, which is just so bizarre because when's the last time a quarterback in his prime playing this well week after week, leading game-winning drives like he did against Seattle on the road, when's the last time that player has hit the open market in his prime? I, I don't know what Washington is thinking even playing hardball here. Give me your take on Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith. Like, when do you think it's time to pull the plug? They've lost five of the last six games. He hasn't played up to par. Um, give me your take on what do they do at the quarterback position as you move forward into the rest of the season? Boy, it seems like Andy Reid's going to stick with him, and he's going to stand by his man as long as he possibly can here. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of people that think that that's the right decision. I mean, my gosh, you've got potentially a player in Patrick Mahomes who does take you to that next level. I mean, you know what Alex Smith is at this point. He, he's good. He's not great. He's not going to take that third and eight risk into traffic, try to thread the needle when you absolutely have to, season on the line, conference championship game. He's just, he's just not that quarterback, and you need that kind of quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So I guess the Chiefs are just going to kind of ride this out, but there's no way that they're going to get to the Super Bowl if, if they just continue to ride this out because he's just not that player. Maybe Patrick Mahomes is that player. Maybe he's not. But there's a lot of people around the NFL who believe that if Mahomes was out there, he could be that player that does get him over the hump because the guy just got unbelievable athleticism, such a strong arm. You know, you wouldn't really have to throw too much at him. I mean, you saw what the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. They, they ch- kind of changed their offense on the fly and, and just gave Watson a handful of plays he was really comfortable with, and the guy was setting the league on fire. I mean, who's to say Kansas City couldn't do the same exact thing with Patrick Mahomes? And you've got probably a better defense. You, you still have some weapons on the outside to use. 
it's really bizarre. I guess they know their quarterbacks better than we do on the outside. But at this point, seeing the division now slip away, let alone the, the conference, seeing the division slip away with the Chargers surging, I was pretty surprised that Reed uh, didn't just make that move and, and go to the rookie. Tyler, as always, we value the insights. Happy holidays, and thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Hey, any, anytime, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.